Hello and welcome to What The Bump. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse and a certified labor doula who is expecting my first baby this September. This podcast is created to inform and empower every woman on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me here every Monday at 9 a.m. as we dive into all things prenatal, birth, postpartum, and so much more. So let's jump into today's episode. Lisa Craig is coming on the podcast in this episode to talk about her first pregnancy with her baby boy, Lucas. We talk a lot about exercise during pregnancy, the stigma behind it, kind of like the myths that surround a pregnant woman exercising, as well as how it really helped Lisa to feel pretty good throughout her pregnancy to kind of manage the the symptoms that you get, I guess, throughout her pregnancy, and also how she feels like that really helped her to maintain being so healthy while being pregnant at technically an advanced maternal age of 39 years old. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Welcome to the podcast, Lisa. I am very excited to hear from you and have you on. Thank you. Great to be here. So starting off, just tell us how you met your partner and a little bit about yourself and your family. Um, well, I had my baby with my husband, Chris, we've been together for almost 11 years. Um, I gave birth two weeks before my 39th birthday. So, um, I'm definitely considered of advanced maternal age. We Mm -hmm. took our time with, um, having our, with having our first baby, but, um, I have lived here in Charlotte, North Carolina for about four and a half years. And we moved down here from upstate New York. Awesome. So were you planning on getting pregnant? How did that happen? Were you guys trying? Did it kind of happen out of nowhere? I know you said you were, you know, you waited your time. Yeah. um, Well, we sort of intentionally waited. I'd always wanted to be an older mom, not quite as old as it has turned out to be. But um, after we got married, we decided we really wanted to spend some time focusing on careers and then on travel. And we kind of put off, um, start trying to get pregnant. Um, and then when we finally decided last summer, kind of like, oh, well, you know, maybe we'll just stop trying to not get pregnant. And literally it was beginner's luck. It was immediately that first month. <laughs> so awesome. we were very, very lucky that it happened so quickly. Yeah. And actually tell me about finding out you were pregnant. Like, did you miss a cycle? Did you have symptoms? Um, yeah, I was just, um, I was a couple of days late, which is not, not usual for me. Um, but, uh, you know, I had been like exercising a lot and, um, you know, it was summer, so I was outside in all the heat and everything. And I thought, oh, maybe like, maybe the exercising, the heat is like messing with my cycle or something like that, but no, turned out there was a baby growing. I mean, that is a legitimate thing though, because I know like a lot of people, you can give yourself like almost athletic amenorrhea where you kind of drop off a cycle if you're exercising a lot. So that definitely is like you know, something that would pass through my mind also if, if I was in that case too, but turns out you're, that was not your reason. <laughs> right. Yeah. I waited, a, I waited about a, a full five days before I went and got the pregnancy wow. test kit. And then, you know, we took it and then my husband and I kind of sat there waiting, staring at each other and then turned it over <laughs> <laughs> and it said pregnant. So that's awesome. And diving into your pregnancy, did you have any like morning sickness, any like big struggles or issues um, that stood out to you? Um, actually, the, I think the most noteworthy thing about my pregnancy was actually how um, how boring it was. I really had basically no morning sickness. Um, you know, I didn't end up having like lots of swelling or lots of fatigue. Um, I was really, I felt really good 
through through my whole pregnancy. And um, you know, one of the big things that I really attribute that to is that you know I had been very very focused on um, fitness and physical wellness before getting pregnant. And I knew being an older mom with my first pregnancy, I needed to do everything possible to give myself the best chance to have a very healthy pregnancy. And I knew one of the things I could control was making sure I was staying as healthy as possible. So, you know, I really, um, I really stayed focused on my fitness and exercising and trying to really, really take care of my body physically. So when you say focusing on your fitness, did it change a lot from what you were doing? Like, what were you doing pre-pregnancy as far as like to be healthy and exercise and fitness? And then how did that change throughout your pregnancy? Um, well, I'm somebody who I tend not to exercise unless it's like scheduled. So I actually was already, um, working out with a personal trainer four times a week, which seems like a lot, but, um, I really enjoyed those sessions. And like, if I don't have it on my calendar, I'll find excuses not to go. So (laughs) rather than going to the gym on my own, I sort of need to have it, um, scheduled and my personal trainer, I was really lucky that she had, um, she had experience with other prenatal clients. She had worked with several clients from the start of their pregnancy through afterwards. And um, so I really trusted her to build a safe fitness program for me that we could adjust and make um, changes to as necessary to keep things effective, but safe as my pregnancy progressed. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And do you feel like you like had to slow down throughout your pregnancy or did you keep on going like the four days a week consistently? I actually, I continued going four days a week. So, you know, I'd work out with my trainer. um, And then I would usually try to go for a walk for like a half hour to an hour each day as well, just to kind of move, keep my body moving, but in a gentle way. And, um, you know, definitely we took the intensity level down as, you know, as necessary as my belly got bigger and such. And, you know, of course, you know, I wasn't doing hard sprints on the treadmill. I wasn't doing box jumps or anything where I might have, you know, fallen or been on my belly. But um, there's there's a lot of myths and misconceptions out there, I think, about um, fitness and pregnancy. And, you know, there's, there's absolutely a lot of, almost every exercise that you do before you get pregnant, you can do it while you're pregnant just with appropriate modifications. And there were definitely some days when I felt awesome and fired up and, you know, I was sweaty and panting and feeling great at the gym. And there were some other days where, um, I needed to take it a little bit slower and, um, take a little bit more of a break, you know, in between sets and such. But I think that it was really important for me that I was with a personal trainer who was, um, very educated with prenatal clients and I really trusted her and her program to keep me safe. Yeah. I just listening to your own body. Yeah, for sure. I think that that is all huge. And exercise is something that is so important to me too, with my husband being a personal trainer. And I I, honestly, I'm kind of just like you, like I work out even being pregnant right now, pretty consistently, I would say four days a week. I definitely slacked off my first trimester because I did get sick, but four days a week. And then I do try to walk at least you two to three miles every single day as well. But I, I mean, I can't agree more like you. I love that. You said you can do everything you can do pre-pregnancy with modification. And that is so true. And I think it is something that's so feared, like exercising during pregnancy. I even feel like at the gym, like people stare at me and they're like, should, is this girl, like, is she allowed to squat? Like people, people get really nervous. And even I was working out and I, 
I just like grabbed my stomach, not in pain, nothing like that. She was simply kicking me and it just didn't feel great. And so I like put my hand there and this guy at the gym, like came up to me. He's like, Oh my God, are you okay? And I was like, I'm (laughs) completely fine. Like she just kicked me in a funny spot, but it's true. You really can do even like hip thrusting. I think when I think of like the limitations I have with exercise and pregnancy, hip thrusting is like in box jumps, like you said, are the two I think of. And you still can do box jumps if you do more like step ups, let's say instead. So it's not necessarily the jumping motion, but you're still getting that same like movement and then hip thrusting, which I try to do just like body weight or banded, but you really can do everything and it's, it's good for you. It's recommended. And that's what I wish people knew because everybody has such a fear around it. And they think, you know, you're eating for two and you shouldn't move your body too much because you don't want to hurt the baby or hurt the placenta or do anything, but you're actually doing yourself a huge disservice by thinking like that. Yeah. There's, um, there's a lot of people out there with advice there. I think they're well-intentioned, but either misinformed or outdated because there's certainly, you know, the, the medically backed advice on fitness during pregnancy has changed over the years. So, um, I learned very quickly to kind of take everybody else's advice with a grain of salt and, you know, Dr. Google is great to get basic information, but, you know, making sure that, um, I was getting my information from reputable sources. I was very, very open with my, um, with my OBGYN, um, about my fitness and she knew how important that was to me. And she actually recommended, um, a couple of personal trainers to follow on Instagram because they were trainers who like had kids and, you know, were really big into, you know, staying fit during pregnancy. So, you know, she, um, it's important to have that open line of communication with your medical team. So they know what you're doing. Um, but she was super, super supportive of this. And it's, and it's also great that my personal trainer happens to go to, um, my obstetrician as her regular gynecologist. So they already knew each other, which was, you know, even better, but I felt like, I felt like I was, um, I was really doing my research and I felt comfortable knowing that what I was doing has been backed by recent, mm-hmm. recent medical, uh, you know, information and studies of what is safe. Yeah, it is for sure. Like always changing. And I definitely think it used to be something that was like maybe much more reserved, but as new evidence and research has came out, the recommendations definitely do change as like far as, you know, what exactly is safe and everything like that when it does come to exercise. And do you feel like Like when you say you feel like you attribute a lot of like how easy your pregnancy was to exercise, are there like specific things that you can think about that you felt, you know, being active and exercising really made much easier? Or do you feel like just like overall in general? Um, Well, I think that, um, you know, obviously as your body is changing, you know, you're getting heavier everywhere, your belly is getting bigger, um, muscle groups that aren't used to being worked as much are being worked now that your body is changing um, as your pro- pregnancy progresses and, you know, things actually start like loosening up in preparation for birth. Um, I felt really good knowing that I was doing everything possible to really strengthen those like muscle groups in the parts of my body that I knew were going to be working in a way that they really weren't accustomed to. Right. Um, and so, you know, my trainer and I, we, we did do a lot of work on, um, you know, kind of in the core and pelvic areas, as well as, you know, upper body and shoulders, because once the baby is born, you're spending a lot of time with that baby in your arms. Overall, what 
what exercising during pregnancy did for me was, you know, one mentally every day when I was exercising, like that was my me time, you know, that was 45 minutes or an hour when I forgot about everything else. I wasn't worrying about a registry or getting the nursery ready or anything like that. Like I was focusing on doing something that was physically good for myself. And, you know, since you gain weight as you go through pregnancy, um, and as a woman, it's always a little tough to see the numbers on that scale go up, um, knowing that I was doing it in a healthy way, kind of, I think, psychologically, really made that a lot easier for me. And also just, you know, physically moving so much. Um, you know, I just, I didn't have very much back pain. I didn't have swelling in the legs and ankles. Um, and of course, everybody's different. I'm sure there's right. people who would exercise and might have those symptoms. You know, it is right. very personal, but I think that I gave my body the best chance possible to have um, a kind of small amount of those typical dreaded pregnancy symptoms. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And I even feel like that. And I'm 22 weeks right now, but I even feel like right now with exercise, it is funny. And I don't know if you can relate to this, but like the motivation changes so much when you're pregnant with exercise, like prior to pregnancy, I felt like my workouts were like to stay in good shape, just to, to stay healthy as well, but like to stay in good shape, maybe to gain a little bit of muscle, maybe to lose a little bit of weight. And once you're pregnant, it's like your motivation internally for exercise is like to give my, my body and my baby, like to make them the healthiest they can be. And I just yeah, realized I mean, it like, really it is funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really good motivation. You know, sometimes just having like the scale or, you know, the size jeans you're wearing as your motivation can be tough. Um, if that's kind of all you've got going for you, but when you know that you're exercising to give your baby the best chance of being strong and healthy, um, and to have, you know, the fewest, you know, possible chance of complications in your pregnancy. Yeah. It really was, a very good and different motivating factor. Yes, I totally agree. And are, are there any other like myths surrounding pregnancy exercise limitations that you are like, that really, I don't know, that you really like to kind of debunk, I guess? Oh yeah, you know, people have said, <laughs> well, you shouldn't do anything that is um, going to make you sweat or you shouldn't do anything that's gonna make you use your abdominal muscles. Um, and while it's true that, you know, you don't, that doing, hot, you know, intense hot yoga or like, a you know, doing an Ironman competition um, is probably not a great idea when you're pregnant. Um, just it's okay. You can sweat and you can get a little bit out of breath. You know, it is good to keep doing cardio. It is good to keep strength training. You don't have to just limit yourself only to gentle yoga. Um, and of course it's all based off of as well, what you were doing before you were pregnant. Absolutely. I mean, I was very focused on my fitness. Certainly I wouldn't recommend somebody who has never exercised in their life to get pregnant and then suddenly jump into a big routine. But yes. if there was something that you were doing before you got pregnant physically that you enjoyed and was part of your daily life, um, you can generally keep doing that um, with the appropriate modifications. And so I think that's really important. So whether that's lifting weights or even running, you know, I've gotten to know some moms who, you know, they were serious runners and they continue doing it much further into their pregnancy than most people would expect. Um, and, you know, in many ways, I think if that's part of your routine and your body is accustomed to that exercise, if you immediately stop it and feel like you have to just sit on the couch, like that's not just gonna hurt you physically, but I think psychologically and mentally that, takes a toll to remove that part from your life. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I mean, ex 
especially on the mental side, like even if I'm not able to be outside and go on a walk, if it's just like a rainy day and let's say I don't go to the gym and I don't get a walk in, I mentally do not don't feel good at all. So that is extremely true. And I'm always in awe at people who run throughout pregnancy. I agree with when you said like, you know, try to keep up almost like maybe even tone it down a little bit, but it, it all matters gauging it during pregnancy on what you were doing prior to pregnancy. But I will see like pregnant woman running at like, you know, a good five or six months pregnant. And I'm just like more power to you. I'm in awe because I don't know. I just can't even imagine how I would like function that correctly, but it's amazing. I, I, I mean, yeah, if you, I know a couple of moms who run miles a day while pregnant and that's amazing if that's what they were doing prior to pregnancy. Yeah. Well, and you know, also seeing how much I was able to continue doing, I mean, I'll admit when I began, I wasn't sure how much I was going to be limited. It was my first time being pregnant. So, um, as I kind of moved through the pregnancy and I, and I saw that, wow, I really still can do a lot of stuff and I can leave, you know, leave the gym feeling like I have gotten in a really good workout. Um, that was like a, it was a really positive confidence boost for me, you know, as going through, through the pregnancy, um, just knowing that I was able to continue doing that, like to give myself a pat, kind of, kind of a pat on the back. It was really nice to have that as like a positive thing to sort of, um, to congratulate myself that like, yes, you are able to do this. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I feel the same way when I leave the gym right now being pregnant, I'm like, okay, like I got a good workout. In it. I feel really proud of myself. I feel proud. Even if, you know, maybe I didn't lift, you know, I didn't lift really heavy or even sweat at all. It's like, I still move my body and I'm pregnant and I still got that done and I'm proud. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So switching gears a little bit, tell me about your birth preparation that you had with this pregnancy. Did you have like a birth plan? Did you do birth preparation? What were you envisioning for your birth? For my birth, um, I did decide to um, hire a doula. Um, I was planning and did have a hospital birth, but with it being the first time for both my husband and I, um, we decided that we would really like the extra support of um, having a doula with us. And I'm not, you know, I know a lot of people would hear that I had a doula and they're like, oh, so are you gonna like have a totally unmedicated home birth? And I said, not necessarily, you know, doulas do a lot of that, but you know, they can also help some, like I'm a very kind of practically minded person. I'm kind of a follow the science, everything, all the decisions I made with my pregnancy were kind of very medically based. And so I found a doula who was, um, she was really understanding and supportive of that. You know, I knew that when we got into the hospital, if I decided that I wanted an epidural, she wasn't gonna try to talk me out of it. She was gonna be totally supportive, but I found that um, having a doula kind of helped me with the planning. You know, she kind of helped me walk through a lot of the decisions. And um, my birth plan was fairly general. Basically, I knew I was going to be in, I was going to be in the hospital and I knew I was probably going to want an epidural at some point, but I wanted to sort of go into it and to see how my body did. And you know, if, if I felt like I was able to go through unmedicated, that would, that would be great. But, you know, I also, I know myself, I don't have a super high pain tolerance and I did want to make sure that I, for both me and the baby, that I stayed as calm as possible during the birth. Um, and knowing that I was going to have pain control options there for me was, was kind of important. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I love that you said, like you had a doula to kind of almost like help you with the birth planning, like guide you through that because you don't 
you sadly, you don't get that with, you know, like general medical care in the U S with a midwife or even with an OB, you really don't get like all that education and that time because they, your appointments are extremely short. So I think that that is an amazing part of a doula is like, you have that person to kind of help you plan and prepare for birth. Yeah. Yeah. It's really nice to have somebody who has, you know, who has witnessed literally hundreds of births before. I mean, we all have family members or friends who have, you know, had a few kids, but it was, um, it was nice to hear it from kind of a professional perspective that wasn't necessarily like as strictly medical as my doctor was. Yes. Yes. I, I I like that. So when it came to, and did you have any other things in your birth plan? Like, um, so you, you said hospital birth, you were okay with an epidural when you, you know, ended up feeling like you needed it. Was there anything else like specific that you had planned or was that kind of really, I know you said it was pretty simple. Yeah, that was, that was mostly it. Um, you know, I, I think that the one piece of advice that I kept hearing over and over as I was preparing for birth was prepare to be flexible. Like you can write up your, what you think is your perfect birth plan and then things get rolling and it ends up you know, going a totally different direction. And so I really kind of mentally prepared myself that, you know, these are kind of some guidelines. This is how I'd like it to go, but knowing and expecting and being okay with the fact that if things changed and, you know, the nurses or the obstetrician might say, Hey, we really think that you should think about something that maybe hadn't initially been in what I envisioned as my, my ideal birth. Um, I think that going into it, knowing I was going to be mentally flexible, um, was, was, was important. Yeah. Sometimes I like to call them like birth, birth preferences, not necessarily a birth plan, because then it's like, I prefer this. I'm not planning and setting set in stone on this. I think that that can help kind of shift your mindset that way also. Yeah. So tell me about going into labor. Okay. Um, well, I ended up actually having an induction at 39 weeks. So actually speaking of being flexible in your birth plan, um, you know, I didn't really, it was never, it, it was never my dream to be induced in the hospital. I hope that I would be at home laying in bed and I'll oh, feel my water break or the first contraction, just like, you know, on TV or in the movies. Um, but because of my age being almost 39 years old, um, the baby was tracking very, very large and I was over 10 pounds at birth myself. So, um, you know, we, they, they were a little concerned that with the first baby, if it's got so, you know, that he was getting that big. Um, and also I had some very mildly elevated blood pressure, which I had had prior to pregnancy that was not caused by the pregnancy. That's just something that I've dealt with my whole adult life. So, um, my obstetrician and the specialist and then two other obstetricians from the practice, they all concurred that, um, that having an induction at 39 weeks would be the most reasonable course of action. So that's what we did. So we, um, you know, headed into the hospital on, um, in the evening and, um, I did ask them, I said, I wanted to try to do the induction sort of as naturally as possible. I didn't want to immediately, you know, jump into medications and such. Um, and so we started out with just the, um, a, the, the cook balloon, little device that, you know, that's inserted into, um, into your cervix and, um, they just pump a little bit of water in there and it sort of puts a little, a, a little bit of pressure, um, on the cervix and it's, kickstarts your body into naturally dilating. 
And I was actually really happy that that actually worked really well for me. They did give me a very low dose of Pitocin a few hours into that, but I had asked them to kind of keep it minimal. I wanted to give my body as much of a chance to kickstart things on its own. And um, luckily it did. So, you know, the induction started and eight hours later, um, my water broke on its own. And then um, that's when the contractions really started. And then my son was born eight hours after that. So basically 16 hours start to finish. <laughs> so between your water breaking, did you get an epidural? How was labor throughout that time? Yeah. Um, when my water broke, I kind of went from feeling cramping to actual contractions. That's kind of the water broke and things kind of got real at that point. And I will say it was, it was a little more intense than I had expected. Um, and I, I labored for about four hours kind of naturally um, before getting the, getting the um, epidural. It's uh, good to know that it takes like 45 minutes or an hour from when you request the epidural until you actually get the relief from it because they have to give you a full bag of fluids and you know then you have to actually have the, the procedure to get you know the epidural set up and then it takes a few minutes for it to kick in. So that, that kind of hour while I was waiting was, was pretty intense. That's where I was really grateful to have um, my doula there kind of to help support you know me and my husband. Um, Do you remember how many centimeters you were when you got the epidural? Um, I do not. I know that when my water broke, I was about, I had gone from basically one centimeter to five and I, oh, that's I don't awesome. remember. Yeah. It's, um, so the cook balloon really did its job. Yeah. Um, but I know that they said that I, um, I dilated very quickly. I remember at one point they checked and they're like, okay, you are 10 centimeters. Like stop pushing. We're calling the doctor right now. <laughs> like, Hang on. This baby's coming. So things did start moving quickly when they did. And after you got the epidural, were you able to kind of like get a little bit of a rest and a little bit of a nap? Yes. Um, the, the epidural was amazing for me. I mean, I have, I have a huge amount of respect for, um, women who do go through the natural birth, but for me, like when that epidural kicked in, um, everything kind of changed. I was able to take a breath, relax in the bed. I napped for about 45 minutes, um, which I think was really nice to be able to have that before I actually started pushing. And also um, my epidural itself was, you know, what I would consider the perfect epidural. I had sort of thought that I would be complete dead weight from the waist down, but actually it was, it was just enough that things were not painful, but I could still, I could feel the contractions when they happened. Um, and I was still able to move my legs and my body, you know, I could roll from side to side and, um, you know, the nurse and the doula were both surprised by how much control I actually still had. Um, and again, that's something that I, I, I can't help wondering if, you know, my fitness and, and being so in shape helped me with all of that. Right. Um, but, um, Yeah. Yeah. That is like the perfect epidural. When I love when my patients get an epidural and they're like super numb enough to sleep, but they can still like move their legs. Cause then when I go to turn them, it's like, my job is so much easier. That yeah. is, that is what we all consider like a perfect epidural when you still have that little bit of motion in your legs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and how, how was pushing for you with the epidural? How did you feel like pushing was, was it kind of like a relief for you? Did you feel a lot of pressure when you were pushing? Um, you know, I didn't experience the, the strong urge to push, you know, I've read and heard about that, that a lot of women have that, um, you know, I could, I, um, 
also I, I pushed for about two hours before the baby was born just so it was about two hours of pushing total. So pushing was it, it took me about the, an hour to kind of figure out what was going to work for me because of course with the epidural you are more limited. You do have to be in bed so you're basically on your back or on one side or the other. Um, so you're kind of a little bit more limited in the positions that you can be in and it took a little bit of trial and error um, you know, to figure out what was kind of felt effective for me and um, my doula and the, um, the labor and delivery nurse who was with me, they were really, really wonderful with, you know, helping making suggestions and position me and say, okay, you're tensing your legs. When you push, keep your legs relaxed, but, you know, think about, think about using your belly to push down more, you know? So it was, it, it, it took a little bit of, a, a little bit of uh, trial and error. Yes, it normally does. And that's totally fine. And two hours is like completely normal for first time moms to push. So that is, I mean, that, that is totally normal. And it does take a little while, especially with the epidural, like you, I kind of describe it. Like you can't feel necessarily all the pressure that is there, but you don't feel it as much with the epidural. So it's kind of hard to like visually focus where to put that energy and that push when you really kind of can't feel it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, at one point as we were getting very close to, I was just starting to crown and, um, you know, it had been two hours and I was getting a little bit tired. I was still feeling fairly good, but, um, the nurse, she said, do you want us to bring in a mirror? Um, so you can kind of actually see what's happening. She said, sometimes seeing it can really give you that extra little bit of motivation to push. And so they brought in the mirror and I looked for one contraction and then I was like, nope, that's enough. I don't need to see that. Take the mirror away. <laughs> I try to get so, all my patients to take the mirror. I'm like, come on, let's just do it. The mirror's great. <laughs> I was like, I'd rather not see what's going on down yeah. there. <laughs> that's awesome. So how was your postpartum experience? How was postpartum healing? Um, you know, it was, I think that it was pretty good. Um, you know, I only had um, some fairly minor tearing. So I was lucky for the, I was lucky with that. Um, and uh, it was probably about three weeks um, postpartum that I'd say I really felt that I was kind of back to myself. I mean, definitely like your body has just gone through the most intense workout it ever has or, you know, has done or will. Um, so I was just kind of sore everywhere. Like I had some, I had soreness in my back, which my doula said, oh yeah, like that's, that's actually from all of the pushing that you did, like the, engaging those muscles over and over for two hours. Um, but yeah, you know, so I was definitely a little sore. And, you know, when I started taking walks, I was only going five minutes at a time and I was taking smaller steps than usual and moving a little bit gingerly, but, um, you know, ice packs and the, uh, the Perry bottle are definitely a new mom's best friend. Yeah. Um, but I really felt fairly good other than sort of the, of course you're exhausted because you're trying to figure out this whole, how to take care of a, this brand new human being who's suddenly your responsibility. But I really felt surprisingly good um, yeah. afterwards. That's amazing. And when did you like get back into the gym or so would you say? Well, I actually haven't yet. I'm okay. just about, um, I'm almost six weeks postpartum. And so I am following the advice of I'm waiting for my six week checkup um, with my obstetrician and I do it. I, um, I'm feeling really good. So I do expect her to give me the, the thumbs up to go back to the gym. I've, I've already scheduled my first few sessions <laughs> with my trainer, but um, you know, I, I am really going to ease back into it. You know, yeah. while I'm proud of how I stuck with fitness beforehand, I know my body has been through a lot. 
And so I'm going to ease back into things just a couple of times a week and we'll go easy and sort of ramp things up as I, as I see how I, um, how I feel. But um, I try to walk most days. Um, you know, I'm up to, I can do two or three miles a day kind of slowly, definitely pull, pushing a stroller with a loaded down of a baby and lots of stuff that definitely uh, helps, helps, uh, helps with my fitness during the walks. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's exciting that you hopefully fingers crossed will be back in the gym in about a week or so. I bet that's, that's just going to feel very good. I'm sure that first workout is just going to feel amazing. And yeah, walking, especially with the stroller, it's kind of like, um, Oh, what is it like rucking? That's my husband will like put a weighted backpack on his back when we go mm-hmm. hiking and it's called rucking. So you're almost doing like a little postpartum rucking, like weighted, ru- weighted walking kind of with your stroller. <laughs> Yes. And I'm, and I'm definitely getting my, getting my strength training in just every day. I mean, the, the baby, even he was, he was, he was eight and a half pounds when he was born and eight and a half pounds starts feeling like a lot more than eight and a half pounds after you've been holding the baby for a while. And as um, you know, he's, he's getting bigger and heavier. He's 11 and a half pounds now. Um, And I feel like, I, I feel like my, my arms and shoulders and back get, get a workout every day. Yeah, that's awesome. And is there anything else from like your birth story or even like your pregnancy journey that you want to share? Um, well, I mean, I guess a couple of the main things that I, that I learned that I, I I hope other moms, um, will do is that kind of, like I said earlier, do your own homework. Um, there's a lot of well-intentioned, but outdated or, or inaccurate advice out there. People love sharing their opinions, especially online, and you can really go down the Google rabbit hole. Um, so, you know, if you're wondering what you can or should or shouldn't do um, during your pregnancy or after, um, don't just read what Google says. Like, make sure that you're going to reputable sources. You're talking about it with your um, medical and health and wellness professionals. Um, really make sure that when you make a decision on what you can or can't do, um, make sure that you're basing that on really accurate information. So I'd say that's kind of the most important thing. Um, and you know, the other thing is really just everybody told me this, but until I experienced it, it was a little you know I didn't quite believe it. But there really is a steep learning curve. Um, a lot of when you bring home your baby is a lot is trial and error, and you're going to make mistakes, and it's okay. Baby's going to be fine. Give yourself some grace. Know that know that you're going to be okay, and that you will figure things out, and that you're, you know, you may not think you're the perfect mom, but you are the best mom that your baby has ever had, and your baby is going to love you, and you're going to do great. Yeah, I think that that's amazing. Those are both great and extremely, extremely true. Don't take the advice that you just because everybody's willing to give unsolicited advice, especially when it comes to pregnancy. So definitely like evidence. I'm all about evidence based practice. So do your research, you know, talk to your OB. If your OB says something that maybe research, you know, is against bring that to your OB and say, hey, you know, I read this, you know, what what's kind of the happy median, you can always do that as well. And I I do think to bring a baby home, it's like my biggest pet peeve about the healthcare system in the U S is like that huge gap that you have postpartum where you don't have anybody seeing you. And like you said, it's such a big learning curve. So just knowing that it is trial and error. And sometimes I think it's really easy for first time moms to go home and be like, you know, well, it, this must just be me. Like, why, why don't I know these things and kind of almost think like that other moms that go home know the answers, but like 
we, all of us first time moms are in this together. Like we all go home, we are all wondering what the heck we're doing and it is all trial and error and you just have to do the best you can. And you know, there are so many resources that you could always lean into and ask questions to as well. Yeah. And I'd say if, you know, if you can find your mom tribe, um, you know, I have a couple of friends who had their first babies recently, like within a month or two before mine. Um, and also, you know, there's some online groups of new moms and I found that having other people who are going through what you are basically at the same time is really helpful, can make you feel a lot better about things. It's, it's a little different than if you're talking to somebody who has had children in the past, because they're sort of looking back at things with rose colored glasses. It's sometimes it's a little bit easier to kind of, you know, take advice from somebody who's going through the exact same thing um, that you are at the same time. So whether that's, you know, in person um, or online, that's been really helpful for me to be able to connect with other moms first time moms who are going through this now at the same time that I am. Yeah. I think Facebook groups can be like amazing for that. And even like, like you had said, you know, you had a doula and a lot of times, like as doulas, we like to connect our moms who are in that same boat together because it is you, I mean, they say it takes a tribe and it truly does. It takes a tribe and a community of women to raise even just, you know, your one baby. It really does take a lot of us. So it is always good to be able to lean into those people and to kind of have those people as resources and just somebody to be like, Hey, that sucks. I'm going through it too. You know, like you don't always need advice, but sometimes it's just somebody to be like, yeah, I'm there too. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. Of course. It was great being here. Thank you for listening to another episode of What The Bump. Make sure to follow us over on Instagram at WhatTheBumpCLT. Check out our website, WhatTheBumpCLT.com. Make sure to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you are listening on. And tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. for a new episode. Remember that this podcast is for educational purposes only. I will see you next week in the next episode.